Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Simple. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. We're so excited to kind of land the plane on our APES series today. And we have our special guest, our special friend, Brian Johnson, with us again, who helped kind of kick off the APES conversation. Brian, welcome back. Could you kind of give our audience a little bit uh, about who you are? What do you do? How did you arrive to where you are in life? Kind of summarize for us, and then we'll jump into the APES conversation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Brian. Like you mentioned, uh, I'm one of the directors of the Kansas City Underground, a part of this community network of microchurches here in the city. Uh, so my role is just to equip everyday missionary people to understand the people to whom they've been sent, uh, who it is that Jesus is really burdening their heart to make disciples among and then coaching them as they begin to do that in order to see microchurches emerge. And and our desire is really to see gospel saturation in the city. So um, for us, that means every man, woman, boy, and girl would have repeated opportunities to see, hear, experience, and respond to the gospel. And we think that that will happen when we see a missionary on every street and a microchurch in every network of relationships. Mm. Uh, it's a part of predominant model churches on staff for about 20 years or so. I uh, grew up in the Southeast, a part of that uh, kind of Southeastern church culture. And, uh, you know, just, uh, I led worship for 20 years or so and did all kinds of other stuff, missions, pastor, teaching, pastor, church planting, whatever, did it all in some sense, but just kind of went through about a 15 year journey where you know, all of our paradigms were shifted. And as a family, we just embraced, I think Jesus wants us to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. I think he wants us to help foster extended spiritual families uh, and really embrace this kind of viral move of the gospel through a city, like what we see in the new Testament. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit of the overview. Uh, so yeah, on, like I said, on staff with the Kansas city underground now, been doing that for the last three years, we've seen about 50, 354 micro churches emerge in our city so far and just praying Jesus continues to lead the way in that and that we'll keep joining him and what he's doing. Man. Dude. So one of the things that we uh, have spent some time focusing on uh, when we were together in Kansas city and through the exponential cohorts that we were a part of and different kind of learning communities and stuff was, was this apex thing that we've been talking about. I know that Kansas city kind of like, puts a lot of stock and value um, in, in the APEST. Uh, let me just read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 to kind of just set up the rest of the conversation. And then could you just uh, tell us a little bit about how um, uh, knowing APEST and how APEST kind of shapes uh, what you guys do in Kansas City and also kind of talk to us about the Kansas City Underground's leadership in light of Apes. Let me just read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Um, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. So talk to us about how KC uses the Apes and uh, what Apes ministry looks like in, in Kansas City. Yeah, like I mentioned, we were a part of predominant model churches for 
well, all of our adult lives. So there were probably six families that launched out to see the underground emerge in Kansas city as a mission organization that supports everyday missionaries. And when we launched, we had been exploring APES for 10 or 15 years among several of us. Like if you combined it, right. It'd be way more than that number of years, but each of us have been doing at least probably a decade's worth of work on how would we see leadership differently or how can we see it differently in the West? And of course, Paul is like laying it out there in Ephesians. There's actually at least potentially a structure. I know Alan Hirsch really makes an argument like this is the original design. Um, Is it the apostles work with the prophets, work with the evangelists, work with the shepherds, teachers, Uh, like you've argued or had conversation about throughout this series. We each have gifts. We each have a lack of certain gifts or at least a lack of competency in certain gifts. We don't really lack the gifts. It's really just a maturity in them. Uh, And so rather than like run from those things, we've just embraced them. And from the beginning, we've said at a macro level, we're going to lead with APEST. And at a micro level, we're going to lead with APEST. So what we see at the macro, we long to see in the micro. What we see in the micro, we want to inform the macro. We would say every micro church should have a team. Uh, that's at the heart of that, that is a part of that leadership. Uh, and if you lack any of the gifts, pray for it. Mm-hmm. So if you're primarily just kickstarting new things all the time and you're, uh, you have a, a clear sense of the awareness of, of God's heart, like the prophet and the apostle there, and you have this ease in connecting with new people and seeing new growth, the evangelist, but you're not really helping people become whole, you need a shepherd on your team. Mm-hmm. That's not okay to have that gap. Uh, And when we formed, man, we were just blessed. And I don't use that word lightly. Like it was a rich, generous blessing that like out of uh, the six families, we had all the giftings uh, represented. Now we were, you can always see on teams, you'll, when you get over like three to five people, you'll become weighted and we're, we're weighted in the apostolic. Uh, So it's, it's more a, it's a higher sort of percentage of us that have that gifting, but that's also, we're structured as a mission agency trying to catalyze constant new works in our city. Uh, and so early on, we just invited the prophetic voices to help us always slow down. Uh, and that's, that's been our mantra ever since as slow as the new fast, we're not going to start new projects and new works without, um, without the voice of the prophets and the shepherds saying it's okay to start a new work now. Or no, we have too much going on and you're going to kill this network if we don't slow down. So uh, so that's a general overview. That's not like a deep dive, but it is to say that APEST is one of the highest values for our organization and how we lead. We don't have a hierarchical structure. There's no lead pastor, lead founder, whatever. We're a flat structure. So no, no one reports to anybody organizationally. Um, we do defer to each other because of spiritual and relational connections. Um, but like that kind of authority is much different than organizational. That's a, that's a choice authority, not a demand authority. Hmm. And that's so good. Love. I love hearing you guys talk about what it looks like in Kansas city. But before we go into the idea of like a voice order kind of thing, why do you think that Jesus designed this structure for the church? Or why do you think Paul describes, Hey, this is what, was left and this is what was for us um 
why why is this more beneficial perhaps than like a hierarchical structure that we might be more familiar with um i I mean i can't speak to the motivations of god necessarily when you ask why but i can say from the beginning he functions in a family and so you know in the beginning we see the father the son and the spirit and there um I, i think it's uh, Richard Rohr, N.T. Wright, you know, they talk about this divine dance that is happening, you know, with the Trinity. And it's just this beautiful sort of like they function in the family. And then God creates Adam. And it's the first time, like, I mean, he calls Adam good, but it's really the first time he goes, hey, this isn't good. You're not meant to be alone. This isn't good. And so he creates Eve. And there is this like, again, this sense of family and like they enjoy this fellowship with God every day as they walk in the cool of the day. Um, and I mean, all through, like God doesn't, like God chooses Abraham, but it's not like I choose Abraham and that's it. It's like, I choose you to create this massive family. Um, and all throughout the scripture, the meta narrative is family, uh, which is why we use family as kind of a primary filter through which we see everything in Kansas city. But you know, it's like Jesus develops this new family, right? Like he talks about his mother and brothers and sisters are the ones that do the will of God. Like it's always about community. It's it, you, you just like, you see, especially in the old Testament, you see this kind of hierarchical structure with like God tells Moses and the Moses descends like, and tells the people. But in the new Testament, you see a reformation of that throughout the book of acts, you know, like early on, they're like, Hey, Judas is gone. We need to replace him. Let's replace him with somebody that's journeyed with us the whole time. Um, or, hey, the, the Greek widows are being left out. So, like, let's have a conversation about how we take care of them. And, man, just over and over, it's always this we language. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, Paul is just recognizing, because he uses that metaphor all the time, we're a body, right? Like, we, we are many parts. Um, there is one head, but many parts. If there's any hierarchy, it's Jesus and then the rest of us. Uh, and yeah. it's acknowledging we need each other because we all have gaps and deficiencies because of our broken state that we live in, that one day we'll be made full and whole again. But until we get there, by God, I need you guys. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I mean, I think that that's a good segue into the next part of the conversation, which is talking about voice order, right? The Bible calls us the body of Christ and we need one another and, and every part needs the other part, man, when you guys introduced this idea, I, I hadn't heard this before. And I think it was, you know, probably, I don't know, it was, it was fall of last year or maybe the summer of last year, uh, got to go come out. And then I heard Rob talk about voice order. I was like, talk to me about that because um, that seemed like very important, you know, because when when he i don't want to talk too much but just like what is it why is it needed um and how is it helpful yeah so you know we certainly didn't make this up give credit where credit's due we took this language from uh steve cockrum and jeremy kubachek who wrote this book called five voices um and i they would argue, so I, I certainly don't want to uh, say that they would say this. They would argue that this comes from other places. They use this language that, that, that we each have five voices. But 
I know that Steve worked with Mike Breen and they even have their own APEST test. So when I see these five voices, we immediately heard APEST. And you can't do like a one-to-one perfectly of like, oh, well, this voice equals this and the APEST giftings, but you can get real close. And so five voices is really meant for the marketplace to help organizations learn to function uh, like better in communication so that they honor each other, so that they move more effectively. So that answers why we use it because it's been one of the most helpful tools. And so we lean into these voice orders and we primary, we don't necessarily look at them and, and quote unquote voices. We have assigned the APES giftings to them because we think it's transferable in that way. Uh, so I don't know if you want me to jump into it, but, um, Go for it. yeah. Okay. Well, at any point that you guys get bored, you just jump in. No, right? no, no. Just go for it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us how, how it impacts your day to day and how you guys, because what, what is it? What does it practically look like? Yeah. What does it practically look like? We've spent the last couple of weeks interviewing people, you know, getting into the nitty gritty. What's an apostle's prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. But now how do you use these things? And what does it look like in the context of team and in relationship? Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, Apostles extend and send. Prophets really know the heart of God. Evangelists are the connectors. Shepherds are that like nurturing, caring voice. And teachers are, man, they're trying to pass on all of these things that we've always had. So again, I'm going to do a high level overview and try to move forward. But I would encourage you to pick up the book, Five Voices, and do a deep dive into it. So uh, they use the language nurturer, creative, guardian, connector, and pioneer rather than APEST. Uh, but just to like help keep the conversation simple, like what we're talking about, not get too confusing, uh, we would assign the nurturer to the shepherd. We would assign the guardian to the teacher. We would assign the connector to the evangelist, the creative, to the prophet and the pioneer to the apostolic. So we all know our primary voices on our team and we're always learning like, okay, this is how you function. This is how we function together. When we meet, these are your gifts. These are the ways that you communicate because of your gifting. Now, how do we see those things really uh, begin to work together and make us effective as a team? So the five voices has been the tools that help us do that. So I'm just going to walk through some of these ideas. And the way that the five voices communicates this is like to think through each voice has a volume level. So think about that little icon on your phone or your computer with the little half circles that like, uh, or your Wi-Fi signal. It's like, I got one, two, three bars, four, right? The quietest voice on your team is the shepherd. And these people intuitively feel how you'll react to a new idea and they represent like, I think it's like 40 something percent of your organization. So a lot of people are really like this quiet shepherding type, which is beautiful, even though we don't celebrate them. The shadow side of the nurture is that they can be overly resistant to change. They don't always value the contribution they make. Uh, The second quietest voice on your team is the prophet. So the prophets possess that ability to see the future in ways the rest of your team can't. Um, they have these like radar warning systems that they can sense danger when our values run the risk of being compromised. The problem sometimes with the prophets is we don't really know what they're saying. They can be confusing, not because they want to be, they just see things that you can't. And they're like, it's like, you know, John trying to explain this vision and revelation. He's like, I saw this stuff 
all I got to explain it is these words. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> you know? um, but they often come up with the most innovative ideas because they can see things that you can't. Um, oftentimes prophets don't celebrate what's been achieved. They get focused on the small things that haven't been achieved. Uh, the third voice or the third loudest would be the, 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 uh, teacher. Uh, again, we're moving up in volume level here. The teacher, man, if they think the future oriented voices are going to suggest change or realignment, they're like, uh, uh-uh, not on my watch. Like, well, I got to guard the values here, especially like if something might be compromised. So sometimes they feel overly critical. Uh, they, they can feel like they're slow to change, but they're really just really protecting your organization. Uh, the fourth loudest voice would be the evangelist. And again, man, they're, they're pretty straightforward, right? They connect people with people. They connect ideas with people. They get stuff done because they're charismatic. Um, and, and they, they just want to like move the thing forward and get like people going. Sometimes they can be people pleasers. They can also be really passive aggressive people. (laughs) Um, these are my words, by the way, don't shoot the messenger. Uh, the, the final voice is the apostle. So apostles, man, they have like the ability to think strategically and systematically. They're always thinking about the next big breakthrough and they're highly skilled in convincing everyone to go their way, like go big or go home. The shadow side is that they appear arrogant and me focused. Um, and it's not that they are necessarily, it's just like, they're thinking like, we got to take new ground. So now that you know, like that's the voice order in volume, It's also important to know the next thing, which is each of these voices has what we call a weapon system. So let me hit those real quick. Uh, And I'm going to go backwards here. So the apostles, their weapon system is a grenade launcher. And in immaturity, they aim their grenade at their teammates. When somebody challenges their idea, they're like, I'm going to blow you up. In maturity, they aim their grenade launcher at whatever is like trying to block the team from moving forward. Like it's my job to block, like to break down these barriers, help us all to move forward. The prophets, uh, interestingly have like one of two weapon systems. So they're either feelers or thinkers. If they're feelers, their weapon system is like the Hulk, like the big green monster, right? If they feel violated, they're going to come at you. Um, and they're coming fast. (laughs) If they're mature, just like the Hulk, if you're familiar with it, they'll work to diffuse the tension in the room so the green monster doesn't come out. Prophetic thinkers, so I just described feelers, the Hulk. The thinkers are the snipers, and they're like, you said something they didn't like, and they pulled the trigger and shot you, and you didn't hear the shot. <laughs> you know, like They're a mile away. Uh, but in maturity, again, they will shoot down the error of our logic as a team. The teacher's weapon system... Think about it again. These are like they're guarding the organization's DNA. They use the interrogation chamber. So Luis comes up with an idea and the the teacher in the room has 1000 questions that they will fire at you in rapid succession. And until you cannot breathe like right, like Zoom isn't pausing there. That's me saying like that's how you feel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So in maturity, though, like they're really asking the questions, like not to justify their emotions, but like to really think through, like, what are the potential consequences that none of the rest of this team can see that I can see? 
the evangelists, they have a loud voice. Remember they use cyber warfare. So the idea here is that like in, in immaturity, they'll manipulate the network and they'll talk about you and they'll make everybody not like you, <laughs> but in maturity, they will spread these beautiful ideas around to the people that we need to help us uh, succeed and achieve. And then the shepherds, they have uh, their weapon system is unique as well because their weapon system is actually themselves. And the thing about the shepherd is like, if they think you're about to get hurt, they will just throw their body in front of you, right? They'll throw their emotions in the way and they'll try to protect you. Well, it looks very self-sacrificial, but actually it's like, you know, Scott needed to receive that challenge from Luis and you stood in the way of it happening. And now he missed out on potential growth. Uh, so like shepherds have to mature in order to say like, don't stand in the way when people need to be challenged in healthier ways, just be ready with your medical bag in case they get really badly hurt. All right. So those are like the voice order and, uh, are not voice order. Those are like how loud their voices are in their weapon system. So, uh, real quick to make it super practical, our team worked to discern like, Hey, everybody knows their primary voice. Everybody knows their secondary voice. We have a small ops team. We had all the voices represented. We know our weapon system so we can call them out if people are using them immaturely. Um, but the most important thing is, we go in order of the volume of the voice. Whenever we meet every conversation that involves a decision of any kind, we go in voice order. And this has been one of the most important critical tools to make us super efficient as a team and to help us love each other better. And I'm like that second piece is so important because when the apostles go first, and they start shooting that grenade launcher, man, if they haven't like been slowed down to like loosen the happy trigger finger, even when it looks like they're shooting down barriers, you're getting shrapnel. So the apostles never go first. They're the loudest. If they go first with every new idea, you won't be caring for people very well. The shepherds will never fully share their voice. And you'll ultimately hurt people because they're not sharing that valuable information about how people will receive the new direction you're exploring. If teachers always go first, you'll kill every idea because they'll just question it to death and you'll always be starting from a place of resistance, right? So when we present an idea or a challenge that we have to deal with, we go in order of the quietest and the most people focused voice. And we remind everyone that all of our voices are unique and important. So we must speak up for the strength of the underground. So we start with the shepherds. So they're, they're valued. They get to share their voice. Then we go to the prophetic because they're the second quietest. And they help us think with fresh and new innovative ideas. And then we go to the teacher who will protect and think through our DNA and what the negative consequences might be. Then the evangelist speaks through all the resources and people that might help us achieve what we're aiming for. And then the apostles speak. And after everyone else is heard and weighed in, they get to share their voice. And as an apostle who has to go last now all the time, usually by the time it gets to me, I'm just way more chill. I'm like, all right, this idea I had, even if it's my idea, now I'm, I'm calmer. I'm like, okay, that, that didn't go where I thought it would go. And I, I have multiple perspectives now that I didn't have before. I can lay that down. I don't need to fight for this. 
also, thank goodness I didn't have time to accomplish it anyway. <laughs> so, um, anyway, that's high level. Yeah, no, that was really good. When, when you bring up an idea, um, who's typically bringing up the ideas? I, I bet it's the apostles bringing up the ideas, but, but are ideas coming from everywhere? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and like, again, that's the strength of the team. So, you know, Timmy might bring up something about finances that he thinks like, oh, we should reorganize our books to, to do something like, okay, well he explains what he wants to do. Right. So we go voice order and the shepherd might be like, I have no idea. Like, I don't, okay, whatever. Uh, I don't think this hurts people affects the organization. I think I, my voice is heard. I'm fine. You know, uh, the, the, the prophet voice might be like, um, they might come up with something that's like, I think that we need to move towards this. I just listened to a podcast the other day and it's about the future economics in 2075. And I heard some things about how, you know, it's like, what, <laughs> you know? um, but they might not know how to communicate that. Right. So like, Timmy's like, well, I presented my idea and here's why I think we should make this shift. He's not made his point yet. He just brought the idea forward. Now he gets to sort of argue for it. And then the evangelist might speak up and go, bro, I just like God blessed me with four new relationships last week with different CPAs, like this accountants beyond borders, and then two other local people in the city. Uh, and like, I'd love to get you their email addresses so you can start meeting with them about these ideas. Boom. I mean, you can like, that's just an idea about how to order our books. Super boring. But like now the strength of the team is helping us do something that's brand new in our paradigm that may also help a lot of other organizations as a result. Or Bree, who's over coaching, might come up with a new idea or not a new idea, but she's like, hey, team, we're exhausted as coaches. We've been doing one-on-one coaching. I think we need to go to group coaching. And here's why. And I get to go first because I'm the voice of the shepherd. And then the rest of the team gets to speak into her about a, how great it is and B, how can we help? You know what I mean? So it's like, it doesn't matter what the idea is or whose lane it's in. You get the full, uh, the fullness of APES to shape that and make it a strong idea because you can't see all the angles without all the voices. Sounds like it helps with discernment too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. As we're kind of talking about this idea of voice order, I think maybe for some of our listeners, this might be a new concept and applying it to the APEST might be new and it might take some time to sink in. So what are maybe the the pros and cons of using the voice order or maybe what's the best part of it? And then out out of the the APEST of those, uh, the A, P, E, S, and T, who finds this the hardest, like, who who struggles with buying into this concept? And then maybe who are the ones that are like, oh, heck yeah, let's go. This is great. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I haven't found any cons to it yet. Uh, well, I, I take that back. It depends on how big your team is. Mm-hmm. It's not that using the voice order is not a con. The size of your team and trying to implement this into that space might be a con. So like our team grew to like 11 or 12 people at one point, And it was like, good Lord, we cannot have like we have a two hour meeting where we're processing one idea because it's taken us an hour to get through everybody's voices right like sometimes it's it's just not practical 
Yeah. And it's important in that moment that like you have as a team have to figure out how do you make this real practical? Either you got to get a smaller team or you get less words when you talk. (laughs) Um, And as far as like, you know, who finds it the most difficult, it's not about which gifting finds it the most difficult. It's about which people are mature or immature because it's immature people that find it difficult. Mature people find joy and life in it. If I had to pin it down though, it's probably, I mean, every voice has its own issue, right? So shepherds are like, I can tell you every single time Bree's like, I hate going first. And part of that's cause like she needs time to internally process. She's not a verbal processor right out the gate. It's not that she can't, but it's like, I don't want to go first. Cause I'm, I'm still worried about people's feelings. So we're like cultivating that environment where it's safe for you just to talk and discern your way towards what you feel. The creatives going second are like, man, I got like 80,000 ideas that just popped into my mind of what Jesus has been saying. So I don't really want to go. Cause I hadn't figured out how to detangle this and get it into words to give you, um, teachers don't really have any issue cause they got all their questions lined up, but uh, the evangelists are like the evangelists and apostles having to wait till last. It just takes practice. <laughs> we don't hate it. It's just like, Ooh, this is hard. Cause I want to say stuff, you know, but we slow down and like, so anyway, those are just some different angles on it. I think from what you're asking there. Yeah. Um, as we kind of begin to land the plane here about this conversation, which I think this is a really helpful and valuable tool. Been very practical, I think, yeah. the last couple of minutes specifically, you know, like. Let me, if I can throw one thing in while yeah. I cut you off while you're halfway in the thought there. It's not like, again, at a macro level, it's super important for uh, like new operations teams in this paradigm. Um, at a micro level, you can still do the same things when your micro church is like, where should we invest these resources that we have or our time? Like hear from the prophets, hear from the evangelists, like, like do the voice order there as well. But also for those of you listening who are in like the marketplace, give it a shot. I guarantee your staff meetings will be wildly different. Mm. Like learning to identify. And can you say it again? The What was the tool and the, the guys that came up with the tool? Yeah, it's uh, Steve Cockrum and Jeremy Kubitschek. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. The book is called Five Voices. Uh, Giant Worldwide is their organization. They have a ton of resources on this stuff. Like, man, I'm like, I just barely dipped the toe in on what you can find on mm-hmm. understanding your voice and the value of it and how to strengthen and grow a maturity. That's great. We'll put a link to that in the description as well. If you guys can click on that. Brian, as we begin to wrap up here, what are some rec- recommendations for anyone who's maybe a part of a team or even an organization in the marketplace and how they might start with implementing the, the voice order? What, what would you recommend or how would you say get started with this? Yeah, go to Giant Worldwide and take their assessment and learn your voice order. You don't have to do that if you know APEST. You know? Then it's just like you, you, you do have to practice this. You know, So like the first step would be like listen to this podcast as a team, right? Take some notes, um, begin to open up with each other about like 
vulnerability and repenting of where I've been using my weapon system mm. uh, against each other rather than the challenges and problems. Um, and then it's like, you know, just have a sheet in front of you. That's like reminder of the voice order. When we meet, it's always these first. And like, we have permission among our team, like I said, to call each other out if we're using our, our weapon um, against each other. But we also, everyone has permission to like, if somebody brought up a challenge, I immediately started responding. Someone on our team will be, hang on, we need to do voice order and I will stop, you know? So it's just permission on the team. That's good. How long did it take Casey to implement this from going to a place of an idea and let's maybe start this to it's actually working for us? Well there's a longer history where we were on staff at a church where we were exploring these ideas. And yeah. that took about six months, six to 18 months. So sometime in that window, it's hard to say like when we flipped over mm. probably more like 12 to 18 months of like fully working it out over a year and shifting our team to this that made us super effective. So when we launched the underground, we had a foundation from which to work from. Great. Um, and I'd say it, that was probably like within the first six months, we had onboarded everybody into this way of thinking and it like fully, um, our meetings just began to flow that way. Excellent, man. Dude, it's been good having you on here. I'm sure we can keep the conversation going. Uh, man, it is always a pleasure to be here with you, Brian. And the gold, I mean, we're going to have to rewind this over and over again just to get some of that stuff. Just as an overview, Voice order, uh, start with the uh, shepherd, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and lastly, ending up with the apostle. And so, man, such good stuff. Any last and final words and maybe how people can be uh, and stay connected to you guys and your ministry? Oh, man, I just think that the more we lean into the design of the church like this and, and share our gifts with each other, uh, we're going to see the fullness of Christ in us, uh, which is going to overflow into the world. So uh, I love the conversation. I love that more people are elevating this conversation, putting it out front. So get after it. You can find more about us at caseyunderground.org. You can check out our podcast, Casey Underground Podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about it. Bless you, man. Thank you so much for being with us today. All the best to you, to uh, your guys' ministry, and may the Lord continue to multiply and bless that. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. 